Hey, we're going to continue what we started a few weeks ago. We, you know, we've been talking about marriage for several weeks, and we're going to just continue with some, some, uh, just some more thoughts along those lines, dealing with marriage and that relationship. And as I do, well, first, Jack and I, we, we just got back yesterday from being on a cruise. We had never been on a cruise. And it was seven days, so we're still trying to get our, like everyone calls it, the land legs back under you. I still feel like you're doing this as we, you know, stand here. So uh, if I start getting dizzy, oh well. Um, but we had a great time. We weren't sure what we got ourselves in for. You know, we get on the cruise, we look around, and our first thought was, oh no. This is just nothing but a floating Ryan's buffet, except everyone's drunk. There's the curse. So we was thinking, oh, seven days of this. This is not going to be pretty. But it ended up working out great. And, um, and so we, we had a good time. It was just renewing, refreshing. So, um, so anyway, so we're going to get started just picking up on this idea of marriage and everything. And, um, but here's how I'm going to start. Do y'all remember two weeks ago I gave a story of what happened to me with my cycling shoes? Who was here two weeks ago and y'all remember about that? And remember how I got so angry because what happened? I went out, you know, I was going to start riding the bike. I get over Shallow Park. I, I start unloading my stuff. My shoes are gone. And these cycling shoes aren't cheap. You don't run to Walmart, spend 20 bucks and get a new pair of cycling shoes. And I'm oh, my goodness, here's 150, 200 bucks. And so I'm just, I'm mad. I'm angry. And, um, and yeah, oh, yeah. And then I saw I come back. You know, to the house, I'm looking all over, trying to find it. I'm mad. A hornet stings me on the back of my neck. And I just, you know, there's stuff about how men can just get angry so quickly. It didn't take much. Here there's shoes, and I'm getting mad. So now I'm even more ticked off because I'm ticked off. And then I get stung. And, you know, so, and, and just in the midst of this, and then I remembered the last time I saw my shoes. The week before, I was all the way down in Gulfport, and I'd taken my bike. I was down there for work, and I went riding. And the only thing I can remember was when I got off the bike down there, you know, the shoes, they clip onto the pedal. It's not going to go into all the details, but I popped out of the shoes. And the only thing I remember is I just left my shoes sitting there, put the bike, everything back in the car, and drove off, left these shoes. And I'm going, oh, 150, 200 bucks here. You know, so I'm going through all that. So, and by the way, this gets to the lesson on marriage. There's a point in this you're going to want to hear. Here we go. So this is, I told you all that on Sunday. Monday morning I get up, and, I, and Monday mornings I'll go to the gym. And as I got to the gym, and by the way, I was already planning on that day I was going to go up to uh, the bike rack, or I think it's the name of it. Not playing against sports, but, but bike rack, getting a new pair of shoes, and oh, I'm spending this money. And uh, Jackie had just kind of said, Jackie said, you know, John, I think you need to wait. I don't think you need to get a new pair of shoes. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, I need to go ahead and get these pair of shoes. You know, we're leaving, going on this cruise, and then I got this triathlon in two weeks. I, I, I got to get them. I got to get going. I don't have time to waste. But Jackie said, I don't think you're supposed to get these shoes yet. So anyway, so I get to the gym. I open up my trunk to get, you know, just the gym bag out. And then it made me think about those cycling shoes again because a lot of times I keep that junk in the trunk. And so I start looking around. Of course, it's not there. Junk in the trunk. Okay, it rhymes. Right? You know, it's all the guys. We keep our toys everything. Okay, anyway. So I get the bag out, and, and this thought comes to my mind. A year ago, I heard a sermon by Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson, and it was on Easter Sunday, and his sermon had to deal with people recovering things that had been lost 
or stolen from them. And I just remember, I don't remember the full sermon, but I do remember him telling the story of the guy who had a knife that was very valuable to him. I can't remember if it was because it was a family knife or something. It was something that had just a lot of value and worth to him. And the guy was frustrated because he lost it, and, and, he, and he just shouted out loud, I want my knife back. He turns around, and there his knife is. And then there's another businessman on a business trip. And Bill Johnston is a guy in their church, and he had lost his briefcase. You know, it's his business guy, all his stuff in his briefcase. Here there's a few days later, he's mad upset, and he thought about that. He says, he said, Jesus, I want my briefcase back. And he turns around, the briefcase is in the backseat of his car. Okay, that sermon popped in my mind. So here I am reaching and getting my gym bag out, and I think about my cycling shoes. I said, well, why not? Let's try it. Sometimes faith just means you just stretch out there and no one's around. So out loud, I say this. I'm grabbing Jim back out. I say, Jesus, I want my cycling shoes back. That's all I said. Took the gym back in. We know it worked out, come out. And then talking to Jackie a little later, she said again, you know, because uh, what are you doing? I said, well, actually, I was going to meet uh, Paul and I went to go have lunch that day. I said, well, after I have lunch with Paul, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up to the store and, you know, I'm still complaining about having to go get these new shoes. Jackie says, I don't think you're supposed to get it. So I thought about that. So, and Paul will vouch for this. We're sitting there at lunch. And I told Paul the same thing. I said, you know, I said, I don't think I'm going to go get those shoes. Jackie has said earlier, she didn't feel like I needed to go get those shoes. So I said, all right. So I, I didn't go get the shoes. The next day I had to go to Gulfport. Here I am. I'm driving down Highway 49 and the new 67 bypass is there. I had to go to Pascagoula. And I said, you know what? And I stopped at some Catholic high school parking lot. So I said, I'm just going to go by there. This is now a week later. I get off Highway 67, running down through there, and I get to where uh, Cow and Lorraine Road is Highway 67, that new high school. And so I pulled off there, like to turn to that high school, and so I said this again out loud. I said, Jesus, I want my cycling shoes back. So uh, honestly, that's what I said. So I pulled up there. Now, this is at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so school's in. The parking lot's full. And I could tell in the parking spot where I was, where I would have left my shoes, there's like a red minivan there. It was like the last spot before you had this grassy area right there. I was going to make this a short story, but it's kind of too late for that, isn't it? But um, <laughs> anyway, so I get there, and, I, and as I'm pulling up, after I just said, Jesus, I want my cycling shoes back, I get out. Uh, I see the car right there. I pull up in the parking lot. And then off in the grassy area, I see a little pile. I see a little pile. And sitting right there on that pile was my cycling shoes that weren't just like thrown up there. One was placed this way. The other one was placed exactly (laughs) 90 degrees like that. As in someone picked up those shoes, walked over there, and placed them exactly like that, as if they're waiting for someone to come back and pick them up. And so I get my cycling shoes. I said, so what am I supposed to say? I said, Jesus, I got my cycling shoes back. Now, here's the bigger point of the story besides the fact I saved my money. I didn't have to go buy cycling shoes. Folks, nothing is too small to pray about. Nothing's too little to believe God for. And... um. And so it, it, it's, in the, and I, well, I don't want to say this other point because it's going to be part when we get into the lesson. But as I got these shoes, I just began thinking, how many times while I was getting mad and angry, upset, God was up there in heaven kind of laughing at me. Not, not laughing at me, laughing with me. Because he knew 
he has someone sitting down there in Gulfport, 200 miles away, sitting in my shoes up like this. And the Lord just said, I'm just going to watch and see how you act. And my friend, Darren Johnson, they're not here this morning, you know, missionaries uh, from Indonesia. Uh, but Darren said this, he said, uh, earlier in the week, he said, I think God borrowed your shoes to see what you would do while he had them. Just, and, and, you know, so, and, and of course, he saw me look, get angry. But anyway, but, uh, but then, but, but like I said, at some point I got my, but then when I began to say, okay, Lord, I, I want my shoes, I want you to restore this. And it was just a beautiful lesson. God will use something little to teach you a deeper spiritual lesson. The whole scheme of things, a pair of shoes means nothing. But it's a little example that tells you God came, Jesus came to restore that which was lost. Every little element of your life, every aspect of your marriage, every bit of your relationships, those things that are true, that's significant and meaningful, Jesus says, I've come for every little last bit to restore what the enemy's stolen, what sin has destroyed in your life. All right, now to, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. There's going to be a point in this that we're going to bring, bring this out if I can get to it here. We're going to go kind of quickly. I'm, I'm going to just catch us back up where we were. Obviously, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Actually, we're going to start in verse 21. Let me read this through the end. You know, it's a, it's a classic passage on, on marriage. But y'all stay with me. It's going to be, hopefully we're going to uh, reveal some things that's kind of uh, neat. Because remember, we talked about in grace. I used the word last time, grace is the great equalizer. You remember me saying that? As far as the law said only men had certain rights or privileges and women didn't. And then grace came and said, no, men and women are all equal. And talking with my friend, it was Darren. I was talking to him after that lesson. I said, no, Darren, I didn't like the word equalizer. It was the only thing I could come up with. And, and Darren said this. He said, yeah, John, he's because equalizer doesn't get the full gist of it. It wasn't that grace equalized men and women. He said, under grace came the recovery of the value of the woman. Now, isn't that much more powerful? I said, and as soon as Darren said, I said, yep, that's it. That's what it's not just as an equalizer. Under grace comes to the recovery of the value of a woman. Now, this, read these verses, and then we're going to um, break this down and show a few things. We're going to go from here and then back into, uh, into Genesis. Wives, well, wait, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, he would present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respect her husband. Now, what I'm going to talk about is three things, and there's no way I'll do all three of them today, but the helper, the head, and the hope. And, uh, and so follow along with me. Notice this. It starts with this. Therefore, submit one to another. We talked about this just briefly before we left this, this idea of mutual submission. I'm saying that word submission carries, it's two Greek words put together, hupo and tasso. It means one under, and the other one just means assignment. What it really means to yield to an assignment, or let me say it this way. All submission is, is embracing assignment. 
It's embracing what God has assigned. That's all it is. It's embracing what God has, uh, has assigned to you. And, and you see all throughout Scripture, anytime anyone embraces their assignment, then God releases a supernatural favor so that the assignment's accomplished in their life. So here we have this hupotasso. It says, this mutual submission, and you know, submit one to another. And it says, and here's why. And y'all gonna, you're going to see a connection here as we go through this back to what we covered in that first Timothy. Remember we talked about how the woman was deceived by the enemy, so therefore she stepped up to try to take control because she, she thought her security was being taken away. And yet you see the husband then being completely defiant. Remember, you're going to see why the, these assignments are, and it deals back with that. But let's start with, with here. Notice it says, and the wife submits to your own husband. Just a few thoughts on this. Understand, when it comes to submission, remember, the word itself in Greek is always voluntary. There is no such thing as forced submission. It is an oxymoron. You cannot have, submission cannot be demanded. Let me say it this way. Any husband that demands submission, you've missed it entirely. It cannot be demanded. It's counter to what the word means. Submission is always voluntary. Always. You know why? Submission that's demanded is coercion. Coercion is absent of love, and God is never absent of love. God is in nothing that is absent of love, right? Any attitude, any thought, anything that's absent of love, God's not in that, right? And if you try to force submission, then that is the weakness of the man has nothing to do with the woman. Matter of fact, it reflects his insecurity and his weakness and his defiance. Submission can never be demanded. Submission is always voluntary. Folks, we submit one to another. You submit to the Lord every day. You know what? Jesus never demands. No, Jesus never forces you to love him. Does Jesus ever force you to love him? No. He presents himself who he is, and he gives, because love always has the choice. If you don't have a choice, then there's not love involved. Love always gives a choice. Jesus with his disciples, and at this point, you know, he starts in John chapter 6. His principles are getting pretty tough. And it says, a lot of them turn around, walked away. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, well, do you want to go away too? I'm not forcing you to follow me. I'm not forcing you to give your life to me. Oh, I want you to. I desire for you to, but it's your choice. Because that's why Adam and Eve had the ability or capacity in the garden to choose to love him or disobey him. Why? Because love always gives a choice. Y'all see that? Anyway, so submission itself is is voluntary. But notice this. It says, submit your own husbands, ask to the Lord. Because if you're really not doing submitting to the husband, you're submitting to the Lord. This carries a couple of thoughts. One, the submission is to the Lord. In other words, Jackie is never required to submit to me if what I'm asking her to do would make her operate against the will of God. Y'all with me on that? That's pretty clear. Never is because her submission is to the Lord. First and foremost, it's her trust in the Lord. And if I was to get her or want her to do something that would make her violate the will of God, she is under no obligation, no responsibility whatsoever to do that. Of course, you, of course, now every time I'll tell you something, no, nope, that'd be against the will of God for me. No, nope, no, whatever. So, so, so I didn't hear that from God. God didn't tell me that. So, so anyway, um, I can just see her in her mind right now how she's going to plot this one. So here we go. So um, here's what I really got from that. Wives, submit to your own husband, ask to the Lord. Folks, the degree to which 
Let me say this way. The degree to which Jackie responds to my leadership, which is submission, the degree that she submits reflects the degree that she really trusts the Lord to protect her and make her secure. Now, that's strong, isn't it? The degree to which you submit reflects the degree to which your heart truly will trust the Lord. Because remember what happened in the garden. All of a sudden, she felt like the rug got pulled out from underneath her. She's on her own. She has no security. So she steps up and takes control. Let me take that apple because I got I to get, get this security back. And see, and there, therefore, she wasn't submitting to the leadership of her husband at that point. She stood up because she didn't trust the heart of God. The amount you sub- or the degree to which you submit reflects the degree to which you really trust that it's the Lord who protects. See, because in submission is your security and your protection. Okay. This is what I want to get to here. Um, well, first of all, just, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, but understand this. Submission, folks, because it, it is a spiritual issue, and it's never a way for me to get my way with Jackie. No, no, submission is a spiritual issue in the bottom line. It's just not a way so that I can say, well, I want to range your bass boat, so that's just what we're going to have. You know what I'm saying? That is, you know, no, submission is all about a spiritual issue. You are laughing because that's exactly what you would do if I was to come to you. You laugh and go, get out of here. Um, here we go, folks. Submission never dominates. In other words, I can never, it's not a form for me to dominate. The idea of submission isn't a way for me to dominate over Jackie. Okay? In Christ, we're all equal. It's not like me dominate over her. What the Lord does is this. He tells Jackie, but submission is a pathway for her to walk in dominion. Is that clear? Let me say that again. Here's why. When you get through this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, right? It's about the husband and the wife, and it goes on about children. What is Ephesians chapter 6? Is it verse 10? What's it talk about? The armor of God, spiritual warfare, walking in victory. But God says there's an order of your life that makes the Ephesians chapter 6 and the spiritual warfare effective. You know, see that? So in other words, with the instruction here is that, that as wives, when you respond to your husband's leadership, it responds to pathways so that you can have dominion. Is that clear? So you can have, in other words, you can walk with spiritual authority. All right. Here's what I want to show you. I'll turn to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, you know, I'm going to use the word that the old King James says. Y'all remember that word? Well, here we go. Let's just read it here. Chapter 2, verses 18, and then it says again in verse 20. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The old King James says there, I will make him a help meet. If y'all remember that phrase from growing up reading King James. And then it says again in verse 20, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper or a help meet for him. I want to tell you something that's interesting. Where's the marker? That, is it still up here? Was there a marker somewhere? Let me find this real quick because I want to show y'all something what this Hebrew word is on this. It, uh, well, third shelf from the top. 
This is, by the way, this is the way it is at our house, you know, because Jackie would go, it's right in front of your eyes, can you not see it? But here's what I want to show y'all, something that, that I saw. I guess I will put that down so y'all don't need that. Okay. Here is what that says in Hebrew. That's, that's an O. Ezer Negedo. Ezer Negedo, actually, but not in the ghetto. This isn't an Elvis song. This is Negedo. By the way, cruise ships have great Elvis impersonators. It's a great show to go to. Jackie didn't care for that much. I kind of did. Ezer Negedo. Here's what is interesting. God looks at the woman. He says, she is Ezer Negedo. Now, guys, I want y'all to follow me with this. Because this is more. So I saw something here I'd never seen before. Now, this word Ezer Negedo, these two words, when I went to look this up. Well, first of all, the way this is normally applied or thought about, Adam needed a helper, so God made one for him. Because he needed someone to help him cook, keep the house clean, you know, and just make his life more comfortable, satisfy his needs. How often is that kind of posed or that thought is there? I want to show you how bad that is from what this means in the Hebrew. Because when you look at this in Hebrew, that word ezer is a word that helps. But I want to show y'all, now notice he says, I'm going to make for Adam an ezer. I'll get to the other word in a second. An ezer. I want y'all, I'm just going to read a few verses telling you how that word is used and what it's uh, descriptive of. I'm going to just read, actually I'm just going to go to some of the Psalms and read it to you. I'm going to start in Psalm chapter 20. Verse 2. I'm just going to hit, you just write these down, making notes, or just listen. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you Ezer from the sanctuary and strength and strengthen you out of Zion. Now, I'm going to turn to uh, 3320. And it says this. Our soul waits for the Lord, for he is our Ezer and our shield. Then we turn to 115, 9, verse 9, 115. It says this. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their Ezer and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their Ezer and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their Ezer. Actually, you'll see the word help. He is their Ezer and their shield. And then in Psalm 121, it says this, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my Ezer. My Ezer comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Ezer, of all the times it's used, almost every single time, it's a descriptor of God himself. So this isn't just a, the woman of the house to keep the house clean, cook the kids, make sure the kids are dressed and present all that. Well, God says, I'm going to make her to be the reflection of help from heaven that you need. She is your Ezra. Now, the word negedo, here's what's even more interesting. The word negedo, it just means one who is there beside, one who is with the help from heaven who is with you. But here's what's really interesting. In that word, negedo, comes from another, the root of that word is negad, 
Now, follow this. I know not get too technical, but listen to this. And you can go back, look this up, take your Thayer and the Old Testament and the Strong Dictionaries, and here's what Nagod means. A delivers to B. C, the A had access to. Now, it's actually listed in the Hebrew definition. Now, let me define this. A is the wife. B is the husband. And C is regard as the message or word. The wife has a capacity to hear from God like you can't, guys. The wife hears from heaven and delivers it to the husband because she has the capacity to hear something you don't have. Now, you see why grace brings the recovery of the value of a woman? That is the honest definition of Nagod right there. So, guys, when you just think you can just do it on your own, do whatever, and then you ask God for help, he sits there and laughs because he says, you know what, I've given you help, it's your wife, she can hear from heaven, but you're not listening to her. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, and oftentimes the very help you need, guys, is in the form of your wife. Because she is your Ezer Negedo, that's who your wife is. I have made for Adam an Ezer Negedo because he can't make it fully on his own. That's why it was only good, and then he gave, her, gave him Ezra in the ghetto, and God says, now it's very good. Has anyone ever heard that before, about that in the ghetto? And the guy? I had never seen that before, so I started looking that up. Folks, the wife has, is a deliverer of God's message for you. Now, let's go back to the story of the shoes. We get up on that Monday morning, and Jackie says this. John, I don't think you're supposed to get them. You're not supposed to go buy those shoes today. Yeah, I need to go get those shoes because, you know, I got this triathlon coming up in a few weeks and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And Jack goes, I just don't feel you're supposed to get those shoes today. What was happening? Ezra the ghetto was taking place. The Lord will speak to Jackie. And here's how we often call this, well, that's just a woman's intuition. Well, why don't you just reword it and say, it's Ezra Negedo in, in, in force. She is able to hear. Maybe it's just because, now let's go back to the old thing we talked about a few weeks ago. The defiance of man, something worse happened to a man when, when, when that fall happened. That just makes it harder for him to hear, to get breakthrough from God sometimes. And God says, so I give you a wife. Because here's what happens. See, God always does things in a way that it forces my flesh to die more. And so here's what happens. As soon as my defiance rises up and go, well, I can make it fine on my own, God laughs and says, no, you can't. You can't get my full revelation unless you walk in mutual submission and love with your wife. Do y'all see that? So anytime I have that defiant nature like Adam did, go, well, the heck with God, and I don't care about her either. I just want to live my own life however I want to. And God says, guess what? Then you can't have all that I have for you unless you walk in love with your wife because she's the channel through which that fullness comes. Do y'all see that? Isn't that beautiful? So the word help meet is a powerful phrase, isn't it? She is the Ezra Negeto. Ladies, that's what you do. That's what you bring. Now, 
It's interesting, you know, when it says, I will make for her a helper. Think about this. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm sending to you the helper. Who is he referring to? The Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit do? Guides you into all truth to bring to your understanding something you otherwise would not know. Isn't it interesting? The same word that he used for the wife, he uses for the Holy Spirit. Guys, listen to your wife. At the end of the day, you're on the hook. Ultimate responsibility still falls on you. But if I don't stop and ask Jackie and I don't say, what do you hear God telling you? Then I am cutting my own self off from what God has for me. Are y'all with me on that? Do y'all see that? It's important, guys. If you want to be the head, understand that's how the head recognizes his strengths and where those, where does my help? My help comes from the Lord, the Ezer, and oftentimes it's in this form right here. And Jackie, what's the Lord telling you? And here's another thing. Let's say I go want to do something, and Jackie goes, I. I can't tell you why. I just got to check in my spirit. Ladies, have y'all ever had that feeling? You may not be able to define it. And what will, of course, then I will compound it and make it worse. Well, tell me exactly why. Because that's how a guy goes. Tell me exactly A, B, C, one, two, three. That's the engine, you know, that's the guy's way, the analytical way of thinking. And then Jackie just says, I don't know. I just don't think that I just don't feel good about it. And we, you're, as a husband, you'll turn around and discount that and think this. And then you want to turn around and pray, so God, you show me. And then he says, well, I'm telling you already. <laughs> have y'all ever thought, y'all see that? Okay, the Ezra and the ghetto. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Women, we have to be so important here. Um, what John, uh, careful, oh, that's what I said the first time, sorry. Um, yeah, so careful here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, domination. <laughs> uh, yeah, because um, what John has told us is nothing but truth, and we are to be that help meet, helpmate for our husbands, but we cannot reverse it and say, oh, well, this is what uh, you got to listen to me. This is why I'm telling you. Because we can so do damage to our husbands if we don't listen to the Lord and if we just use that for our advantage. And, oh, the enemy would do nothing, would love nothing more for us to say, oh, this is what I heard. you got to do this. Or, well, John said, this is what John said. He's a teacher. This is what John said. And the enemy would love no more to get in right here at this spot where John is talking about and use this to be such a divisiveness and to get in right here. And you won't even know it. And this is one of those little foxes that the word says. Be aware because the enemy is scheming and he is roaring. So women, be wise and make sure you hear the voice of your father and listen to him. And listen to that voice only. And be the helpmate that John is talking about here. Be the Ezra Negato. Be that woman. Be that helpmate for your husband. That's the one I want to be. So I'm talking to myself here too. Let's be that one. Let's rise above.
lost my mouthpiece. Uh, thank you, Jan. Um, so before I move on that, this last point I'm going to make on this idea of just being the helper is uh, just something that Jackie had uh, just shown in Scripture a few years ago, and this idea of being the watchman. What I'm trying to do is make you realize that value and that importance, wife, that you have. You're not here to be a servant. Jackie's not here so my house is always cleaned. That's not her goal in life. Even though she, well, even though she cleans like religiously, but that's another point altogether. We'll deal with that on another day. But here's the deal, folks. In Ezekiel chapter 3, God gives this idea of a watchman that's on the wall. And, and basically, without turning to it, the watchman is basically this. The watchman stands, and the watchman is not the king. There's a king of the city. But the king is ruling the city and taking care, and ultimately, the king's responsible for the city. But the watchman is able to stand at the wall, and, he, and the watchman can see something that the king can't. And the watchman can stand there and look out and say, I see an impending danger coming. King, we need to pray about this. We need to be strong. We need to guard and build up our defenses. Just without going too much detail, take that same picture, ladies, for even in the marriage. That there's times I need Jackie to let me know what she sees coming against my family. And oftentimes she'll be the first one to pick up on it, what's coming against the kids. Notice, how do we need to be praying for the kids? How do we need to be praying for this? Because she senses something. As a watchman, she's able to see something, but she comes to the king, and don't, don't take it in a chauvinistic way. I know it sounds that way, but she comes to me, and she's simply saying, here's what I'm sensing from the Lord. Here's the danger. Here's how we need to pray. And it's not that it's done to me, that I'm forced to do it, but she's making me aware of it, because like in Ezekiel chapter 3, when the watchman makes the king aware of it, then it's all on the king's shoulders and responsibility and says, and the watchman is protected and put in a place of security because the watchman has fulfilled the watchman's role. Did y'all see that? It's not responsible. Lord says, you now are in a place of protection. You have delivered my word. You have sensed what was going on, and you let your husband know about it. Now, God said, I need to deal with your husband about that. But you're now in a place of safety and protection. You can read about that in Ezekiel chapter 3. And that is a beautiful picture, even in the marriage, ladies. What I'm trying to do is make you realize this idea of submission is not for you to be under. It's so that you recognize the pathway to what the Lord really has for you. And that's to be a help from heaven for your husband. Because the ultimate goal of submission, as we saw a few weeks ago in that first Peter, yeah, first Peter chapter 3, it says that your husband is one to the Lord. Not O-N-E, but W-O-N. One to the Lord. Not just in salvation, but he's one to the Lord's purposes. He's one to the Lord's character. He's one to everything that the Lord has for him. And this is just simply the pathway through it. Um, that's a helper. Let, let me try to do this quick. I'm going to deal with the... Uh, if, if she's a helper, she's a helper. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to hit a few more of this before we... Uh, and then we're just going to stop and just, just pick this up. Now, here's what made Ephesians chapter 5 so radical. What makes this passage so radical at that time was not that he told wives to submit to husbands. That wasn't what was radical. You know what was radical about this passage? Because understand, in this day and time, male domination was just assumed. So you know what makes this passage so radical? Is that Paul turns around and says, and husbands... You are to love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's what was so radical about this passage. 
I mean, the, 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 the Christian community, what? I've got to do what? I thought she's here to serve me because that, just that subservient of a woman, it was just assumed in that culture and time. That's what makes it so radical. It says, and guess what, husbands? You are the head. But let me say this. The husband has been appointed to roll the headship. We see that in, in verse 23. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's Savior of the body. Now, let me uh, say this, folks. When y'all deal with, or and, 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 whether it's been in your own life or you know couples, oftentimes you'll hear this statement, which the woman will say, well, let's say her husband really ain't walking with the Lord, or if he is saved, he's just a baby in Christ. Y'all know what I'm saying. You know, he's still just a good old bubba. Okay, but and guess what? She is the one really walking with the Lord. She is the one, you know, pressing into the Lord and desiring to teach kids. And so you'll hear this statement. She says, well, I'm the spiritual lead. I have to be the spiritual leader because my husband isn't. Right? Y'all have thought that? You have heard that before. But here's the thing where you need to get into your minds, folks. The husband is the spiritual leader, period. Either he's doing good or he's doing lousy. He's still the spiritual leader. Either way, he's doing it well or he stinks. Okay? Um, and here's why it's important that you understand that. Because as soon as you say, well, if he's not here yet, and the wife goes, so I'm going to be the spiritual leader until he catches up. Well, guess what? You're continuing to walk with the Lord. And then he starts trying to walk with the Lord. And you're doing this. And 30 years later, you know what you're saying? Well, I'm just a spiritual leader until he catches up. Did y'all see the damaging effect of, of making that statement. So what you have to say, the husband said, the husband is the spiritual leader of the home, period. Guys, you're doing well or you're not doing too well. Well, either way, you're the spiritual leader of the home. And wives, understand, that's their role. They have to bear that responsibility before the Lord. Because, and also, as soon as a woman says, well, I'm going to be the spiritual leader until my husband decides to, say this carefully, anytime a woman takes control of something, it ain't easy to get that control out of her hands. Right? Right? You know why? It goes right back to the garden, folks. It was that natural thing. Oh, I better take control of this apple to get things under control. And she ain't letting loose of that apple. You know, you know what I'm saying? So here's, so don't put, you're just setting yourself up for failure if you put yourself in the role of spiritual leader. You either seem to say, my husband's the spiritual leader, and he's not walking with the Lord. Well, guess what? You still instruct your kids in the way of the Lord. You still honor your husband. You still, you know, serve the Lord with all that you have. But don't, in your mind, put yourself in that role of spiritual leader because you won't give it up. And also, you've set your husband up for failure, and you're keeping him from ever walking in that role because he's not going to force himself into that role you leave that void there so he'll step into it. He's not going to force him. A man's not going to force himself in anything. He'll go, forget it. I'll just watch sports center. You know, forget this. I'll watch the ball game. A guy's not going to force him. So, ladies, just, y'all know what I'm saying. Enough said on that, right? All right. Yeah. Yes. I know you don't like this, but you got to use it. <sighs> okay. Can you? Uh, 
It is now. Okay, thank you. For years, I set myself up as your leader in my mind and in my heart. And it was a real, like you said, a mindset thing. And um, this goes along with what Jan said, because um, I was thinking that if it, 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 we were only going to get blessings from the Lord and see move in advance in the kingdom when I got things done. And the Lord was so gracious to everything I did kind of fell apart. And you would be doing nothing but watching Sports Center, and then when you would do it, it would be good. It would come together, and we would move forward. And it was the Lord brought me through a time, a period of seeing that my efforts, I had usurped authority. I was not in line for blessing, and I was preventing us from moving forward in our destiny by what I was doing, and I was doing nothing but spinning my wheels. I wasn't getting anywhere, and he was showing me that what I was saying, what I was doing, it was, I wasn't hearing clearly. I wasn't seeing clearly. I wasn't hearing, like Jan said, from the Lord, and so I was taking us on another path, and he allowed that to happen so he could show me that he has given you that right and that responsibility and he's given you that honor and that mantle and for me it was a yoke and I was pulling us over this way instead of it being a mantle you know getting us to our destiny so y'all see just what that mindset would do if you let that mindset fester and uh in taking that role because I said a man will not force himself into that role Make it. Real quick, when we talk about the husband being the head, think about this. It's not referring to the head honcho, the head boss. I'm going to read just these, these two verses here, and we're going to close with this. When notice this in verses 25 and 26. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing water by the word. First of all, the husband... Guys, you know what your role is? To be the head lover. And he tells you that because that's the hardest thing for you to do. The hardest thing for a guy to do is to love his wife. That's why the instructions are constantly, husbands, love your wives, because that's the hard part for you. Notice he doesn't tell you just to respect her or give her honor. You can do that, but to love her is hard. As you notice, for the women, he always tells them, he never has to tell a wife to love her husband. A wife says, oh, it's easy for me to love them. I just don't respect them. That's why he tells the wives, respect the husband because he's addressing the very need that's there the most. So if you want to be the head, folks, understand this, you're the head lover. Guys, no ministry will be harder than the ministry in the home. And we keep wanting the ministry in the home. Now, there's no more rich ministry, it's no more fulfilling ministry, will always be your most difficult because that's where Satan wants to knock you down the most. Understand this, I come into this church and Shannon and I, we have this ministry of in one accord. Take this the right way, folks, but understand this, if in one accord blows up next week and we disband, in 20 years from now, none of y'all is going to be hurt. But you let my marriage break up, generations are impacted. Do y'all see that? Do y'all understand that? That's why me loving her will always be the hardest ministry. It's not that God wants it to be hard. It's just that's where the attack is going to be the most. Because Satan knows that if, if this is destroyed, then it doesn't matter about all the rest of the ministry that John and Jackie may have in the church and in the community. And in, It doesn't matter. So understand this, guys. You go, well, it's hard. Yes, it is. And it's hard for all of us. But God says, be the head lover. 
be the head, let her know that she is loved. Be the head lover. And not only was Jesus the head lover, he was the head sacrificer. Why is it we expect women to do more sacrificing to the men? We, the women always supposed to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice so the men can have the right job, right promotion, all that. Now, there's a certain amount of value. I'm not discrediting that. But understand this. Who sacrificed more in your relationship with Jesus? Who sacrifices more, you or Jesus? Yeah, that's real clear, right? You ain't dead yet. He, he was dead and rose again. He was the head sacrificer. So husbands, what are we to be? The head sacrificer. Think about that when you're in the home and decisions and you talk about things. Am I sacrificing more? Now, that will hit me hard. And guys, everyone in here, that just hit you hard too. But Jesus was the head sacrificer. He was the head lover. And he was the head example. And I'll close on that. Christ said, I came that you would be an example to all things. So when you think of yourself as being the head, the spiritual leader, oh, you are. But understand this, it's because you're the head lover, you're the head sacrificer, you're the head example. You're not just a head honcho. It ain't about titles. Y'all see that? Because the example is how husbands, there's a crisis to the church, that's how husbands are the wives. The goal of Jesus was to take a bride and make her pure and whole. Guys, your job in loving your wife, and so she comes into the highest form of her purity and comes into a complete wholeness in her life. Because that's you sacrificing for the bride. Y'all see that? This, uh, Shannon, I'll let you come and we'll pray. We're going to um, just stop it right there because we're going to pick up on uh, the last part of this next week and get into just a few things on parenting, um, just a few ideas on that as well from this passage. But... Uh, We'll uh, pray now. I think uh, Jan needs to pray over our wives and our women in here today. I just feel it. She needs to do that. And uh, I think it'd be good, you know, leaders, being spiritual leaders, what leaders do is they pray. That's a great way to take authority in your marriage and in your life in your workplace, in your home, in any kind of leadership. That's, that's the, the mark of a leader is that they pray. They don't sit around and come up with ideas and, and it should be this way or it should be that way. Uh, our leadership comes from the Lord, so we look to him and pray. So, Jan, won't you come on up and, and pray over the ladies this morning? Thank you. Father God, we love you, and we just thank you for who you are. God, I, um, I thank you, Lord, um, first and foremost for my husband, God. Lord, I thank you um, that you've given me position as a wife in a home. Lord God, I thank you for all women here today. Lord, I thank you for those that are um, blessed to be called wives, Lord Jesus. I thank you that we are helpmates, Lord Jesus. Father God, I thank you for those, Lord Jesus, that are... Um, Lord, that are your helpmates, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray for those right now, Lord, that, um, Lord, I know I have friends in here, Father God, who are, um, Lord, that are in trouble marriages, Father God. Lord, I pray for them, Lord. Let our hearts be sensitive to them, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I do pray for them, Lord. God, I pray that you touch their hearts, Lord Jesus. And, Father God, I bind up divorce in the name of Jesus. Father God, I um, ask, Father God, for restoration, Lord, there, Jesus. Oh, God, Lord Jesus, God, because you can make it right, Lord Jesus.
Mm. God, I thank you, Father God, what you've called us to, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be the women that you've called us to be. Father God, I pray that, Lord, you rise us up, Lord God, that, Lord, that we will not be lazy, Father God, that we won't, Lord, forgive me for my laziness, Lord Jesus, in my marriage. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will rise us to a higher standard, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will not hear the voice of the enemy, that we will hear the voice of the Father, Lord Jesus, and that we will walk beside our husbands, Lord Jesus, with grace and mercy, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will be that Proverbs 31 woman, Father God, in everything that we do. I thank you, Lord Jesus. That when we rise in the morning, Father God, that their first thoughts in our mind, Father God, are you, Jesus. And then also, Father God, that our thoughts go to our husband, Father God. And that what we can do, Father God, to help him on his journey throughout the day, Lord Jesus. Father God, for that woman that didn't receive a blessing in her life, Lord Jesus, Father God, growing up, I pray for her right now, Lord Jesus, and for that woman that's not receiving the blessing in her marriage, even now, Father God, I pray for her, and Lord, that I pray that she remains strong through her marriage, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that she can trust you, Lord Jesus. Father God, because Lord, we don't get our strength, Father God, from anyone except through you, Lord Jesus, and let us remember that, Father God. Lord God, because you tell us that you do not leave us or forsake us. Lord Jesus, there's not an ugly woman in this room. Lord Jesus, we are not to look at size. We're not to look at color. We're not to look at height. We're not to look at job description. Lord, you don't look at any of that. Lord, you look at our hearts. And God, that's what you're telling us this morning. And Lord, you say beauty. And it's not about what we did yesterday. God has me to open up my eyes right now and just look around the room. There's so much pain, but God, he sees beauty in each of you. Oh, he does, and he knows your hurts. Mm, He does, and you know what he says? He says, daughters, just come to me. He says right now, he says, come to me. He said, I love you, and I love you right where you are. And, and he says, yesterday doesn't matter. Today is a new day. My mercies are new every day. And he says, daughter, I love you. That marriage of yesterday is old. Today is a new day. There are several couples in here. I know that I believe Terry and Shannon talked about um, husbands maybe praying for their wives, and I know we talked about couples praying for marriages. I think, um, I know that several people maybe need to come up and actually have their hands um, 
actually be touched and prayed on this morning. Do not walk out of this room without your need being met this morning. Whether you're a woman that needs to be touched, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, or whether it's a couple that needs to be prayed for, whether you have a physical need, whatever it is. Because let me tell you, God is moving, God is ministering. If there is something stirring up inside of you, maybe it's like, uh, I don't know what that is. Let me tell you, it is the Holy Spirit wanting to move and minister in this place. Because let me tell you, He is moving and He wants to do something in you. Do not let the enemy let you walk out. Because God loves you. You're beautiful. If you just want to sit there, we can come to you. You don't have to move. If you need to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. It's okay. Because God is good. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Some of the people, our prayer warriors, are going to get up and start walking around. If you just want to raise your hand up or if you want to walk up here, they're opening their eyes up now. They're going to come around. Or if you just need to sit there and just bask in the goodness of our Heavenly Father. Because let me tell you, he's good. But don't miss him today. Father, I just thank you right now for the hearts that you're ministering to, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for the word that you sent through John today. What a blessing, God, to have a a man that's just given himself up to study your word and to speak it to us, Lord, the way you would have him do it. Father, we just bless, bless your name, Lord. Father, we just lift you up in this place. And Lord, we just uh, pray your blessing, Lord, over the services. And, Lord, I just pray that right now that uh, anyone, Lord, that you're touching right now, Lord, they won't leave this, leave this building, leave this service. Father, that they will uh, come to you and uh, receive your ministry today. In Jesus' name, amen.